Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Wednesday night edition of the pod, Western Conference offseason grades time, which is always interesting considering that over the last few episodes, we've regraded the 2016 offseason based on what we know now. And the biggest thing that i was struck by here is i don't know about you and we we can talk about this obviously i didn't have any straight a's and i only had one f so it seemed like really in the west especially this year not that much change then the one team that where they did get the big stuff right you know some of the other stuff they got wrong so it was hard to give them an a uh but you want to just get right rolling here with the dallas mavericks sure we can do that so dallas had a very eventful offseason they moved up in the draft giving up their 2019 protected first to get Luka Doncic they moved from five to three they signed DeAndre Jordan on that one-year contract then they also drafted three guys in the second round signed Ryan Brokoff and then retained Dirk and Salamejri while losing Seth Curry, Doug McDermott, Nerlens Noel, Yogi Ferrell, and Kyle Collinsworth so a lot going on there and I framed my, my thinking about this offseason in terms of two bets so one bet was Luka Doncic and that is a bet I support I think I thought he was the best player in this draft i should say i think it's don cheech i think that's going to be I, I i'm looking for a definitive pronunciation and that's one i support it i think he was the best player in this class wonderful fit with dennis smith offensively and defensively hopefully they can make it work then the other bet is the value of having space in 2019 they kept flexibility kind of like we talked about in the regrade last year they kept their powder dry for the most part by signing deandre jordan and i'm i'm more mixed on that yeah i think if you're gonna say they were going to limit themselves solely to one-year contracts difficult to argue that anyone who was available who would have signed a one-year contract would have helped them more than deandre jordan maybe trevor ariza you could say potentially i mean they do really need someone who can defend on the wing although they have west matthews in that role at least for one more year but you can never have too many wings of course that they did need a starting center jordan of course had been the apple of their eye for a long time a guy who i think is a little bit overrated and so i think you know there's discussion of well you know this could be a one-year trial and then maybe something long-term could happen next summer and at any kind of a market price i don't think that i would be too interested in deandre jordan going into his early 30s so i think the the jordan thing was okay but the question to me and we could talk about Doncic too but the question to me is would they have been better off trying to get someone on maybe a slightly longer term deal re renounce some of that 27 or 28 19 cap space and seeing if they could add to this core around smith and dunsters because they desperately need someone who can 
defend on the wing uh maybe that player wasn't available in free agency this year i'm not sure that player is available in free agency next year such players are few and far between yeah that's a, a, a big challenge and i i think that there just weren't really the right guys i mean the restricted market in particular like they you know aaron gordon would have been interesting there you and i had talked about that fit when we did their off-season preview and i don't think they would have got him i mean look you look at the price that orlando said and of course that would have used a lot of their space you know like marcus smart i think his limitations would have been a big problem for them and you want to look on the young side too because these, i mean dallas to me their core are these two guys one in his early 20s one i believe lucas still in his teens and players like that the players that young don't really hit unrestricted free agency very often and kcp would have been fascinating there but i think the fit you know like that if they had given him multiple years I would have been a little bit questionable. And then for a one-year deal, the Lakers makes a lot more sense. It's tough because Luka, he's got to play either probably the two, they hide him somewhere, or the four. I think long-term, your biggest concern about building this team, even if Luka and if Dennis Smith become what we want them to be offensively, that doesn't look like a great defensive tandem. And so KCP, well, it could have been helpful. Maybe you play Luca at the four in your long-term live, then you'd get another three. KCP really isn't big enough to guard threes. And so do you want to make a big yeah. investment at the two like that? I mean, KCP does have the, the ability to guard some ones as well, which could have been useful. I think he could have been a useful player, but I understand the idea of, all right, we, we don't want to give up on flexibility for the potential big score just for someone like kcp who is a solid player but especially at this nascent level of their development may not have been a a difference maker for them over the next few years right and a a similar kind of story with clint capella i think that would have been an interesting use of their money would have made life a little bit harder on the rockets depending on where dallas's defensive theory goes capella could have been a really wonderful fit and having these good passers like having a pick and roll big at this early in their careers would have been pretty awesome but you know again it's uh, the opportunity cost of, of losing everything else so I, I, it's not a, a terrible thing to do. I actually, they could have gone with a little bit more value out of the very end of their stuff, like getting guys for minimum contracts on multiple years or at least team options or non guarantees, yeah. getting a little bit they better. Up Yogi that would have been, a, I think, pretty badly also. Oh, yeah. I wrote that. In, I wrote that in my notes. Like, not only Yogi Ferrell, but Seth Curry. Remember, like, when we thought Seth Curry had a two year deal with a player option, I went a little bit more like, okay, you know, I understand why Dallas might not have done that. But either one of those guys on one year deals, basically, or even a, a two minus one in yogi ferrell's case there was basically no opportunity right. cost for the mavericks as things they turned had out. early bird rights on him i mean the, there's the idea that maybe they didn't want to use his qualifying offer and keep that on the books you remember they uh rescinded his qualifying offer shortly before the deadline but then they were going to re-sign him to something slightly below that i didn't really see the point of it being slightly below that when you know they really could have thrown him a bone and paid him just a little bit more and that's what he ended up with in sacramento i mean they're really and even going into next year with the non-guarantee if you know the three million or so and i think they they really could use for they did bring back devin harris uh as well to play some backup point guard for them they do have donchitz they do have smith they still have jj beret as well so it's not like they desperately needed something uh, at backup point guard but Farrell had been an effective player and just letting him go for nothing doesn't seem to make a lot of sense and similarly I think uh, maybe even more so with Seth Curry now his cap hold was a little bit bigger but in theory and I think he was offered a much bigger role in Portland as we'll get to than Dallas really could have offered him with Doncic coming in so maybe that was never realistic for him to stay um anything else you wanted to talk about or can we get to the grades here oh, oh uh, Jalen Brunson who they drew 
drafted in the uh second round 33rd overall had just a miserable summer league he again it's always too early to say but there are some really troublesome things about his summer league that make you worry uh, maybe he'll look better in you know the rick carlisle system where they play eight billion point guards together but that's not looking fantastic right now at the 33rd pick but you ready to uh, do some grades yeah, let's do it. So I gave them a B plus, which is a little bit stronger, but I think the biggest part of this offseason when we're looking at it two, three years from, from now is Don Cheech, and I still think he's the best player in the draft. And I, going through it, it reminded me the logic of what happened with Philly and Markel Fultz, where they did give up a, a meaningful asset, but they did so to get a player who's a much better fit for them. And I think I think Luca's a better fit for where Dallas is going. So I am on board with that trade. And that mean, that's the primary thing. You know, there, there are a lot of elements here that make me queasy but not so queasy enough that i'm going to really drop this below and i thought about a b but i think b plus is more fair yeah i think especially given what they already have on the team you know i think just in terms of value i i had Doncic one and trey young two on my personal board most people didn't think see that way but with dennis smith already in the fold you understand why they wouldn't be interested in trey young jaron jackson was going to go at four so you're basically deciding between mo bamba and wendell carter there at five you know i I'm not as big of a Bamba believer as some are. And so when you look at, okay, it's not just the fifth pick plus that top five protected pick for next year. It's Mohamed Bamba plus that pick for Luka Doncic. And as you mentioned, Doncic, especially a team like Dallas that has such deep European ties, uh, should be great there. And when you look at the fact that, hey, maybe, you know, if we'd kept five, that wasn't really going to do us as much good anyway. Uh, they were able to go in that direction. And I think, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with Doncic, but but I had him number one on my board as well. And so to get that player at three, giving up that fifth pick that I think just because they already had someone at point guard wouldn't have been as useful for them. Certainly ended up being, uh, at least as it looks right now, a good decision. So I went with a B plus as well. I, I had a little bit more hope than just getting DeAndre Jordan on a one-year deal for that cap space, but he is a two-way big, really the only one that was on the unrestricted market. So he should help them quite a bit this year and uh we'll see how much he has left defensively to help them so yeah oh one quick question i had for you did you because this is something when we did the regrades i was thinking about because i still think it would have been better if they had gone you know like not necessarily tanked but focused a little bit more on the long term than the short term in terms of their own draft pick this year though you can make the argument that since they traded it it's not as big of a deal you know it's top five yeah, protected. I, I think did it's you un- think about that at all i think it's unlikely that they would have been in the top five even if they just right kept the and, now, and now that they have Doncic I mean that that's who well, should be pretty yeah. ready I don't know we'll, we'll see maybe and, and you could always of course bump up into the lottery because the odds are a little bit flatter this year too you know if they're the seventh or eighth pick that's not necessarily a death knell for getting in the top five especially because now there's four spots that are drawn uh, rather than three so I think the top five protection is pretty reasonable i think they did well to get that protection uh from atlanta even in that 2019 draft that's not supposed to be that good uh you know if it were uh, and i think even top four protection would have been pretty reasonable there um you know so that pick doesn't have that much upside uh, for the atlanta hawks so all right we'll move on here to the denver nuggets which will be i'm sure a a fascinating discussion but first this from lumosity if you're a podcast listener probably an inherently curious person in fact research shows that podcast listeners tend to be a a little smarter than the average and if you're someone who likes exploring new ideas lumosity the world's most popular brain training program is built for people like you and my fiance likes this type of stuff she signed up for lumosity has been playing it a ton 
the way you get started with them is you take their free 10 minute fit test to get baseline scores and see how you compare to others your age and then you start training their brain training is built on a foundation of research and expertise to help you feel confident in your mental abilities and when you sign up for lumosity premium you can get a personalized training program they've got a ton of games and activities meant to challenge your key abilities memory speed problem solving you can either try to balance out your skills or you can pick one of those that you really want to focus on the way you let them know that you came from us is lumosity.com slash capspace that'll sign you up for the free fit test and you get 30 percent off lumosity premium that's lumosity spelled l-u-m-o-s-i-t-y.com and then there's that slash cap space vanity url on the end do that to take your free fit test and get 30 percent off lumosity premium once again lumosity.com slash cap space use that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us well what the hell did the denver nuggets do this offseason they drafted Michael Porter. They drafted Jared Vanderbilt and Thomas Welsh, signed Isaiah Thomas for the minimum, retained Jokic, Barton, and Craig. And then they did the salary dumps of Wilson Chandler for basically nothing. And then Kenneth Reed and Darrell Arthur while attaching a 2019 top 12 protected first round pick. So I mean, in those protection moving forward. And it's so weird for me, I mean, because Michael Porter, I mean, he was such such a talented player, and some of the stuff that came out afterwards made it a little bit clearer why he fell, just in terms of the physical stuff, like that these are genuine concerns, he's already had another surgery, so I still think it was a worthwhile gamble. I am I am on board with Denver making that at where they were. I also, off the top of my head, I don't particularly love any of the guys that were taken right after him, so, you know, I think they were in the right place to do that, but we've talked about it this summer. For me, the, the frustration is they we always knew this was going to be a one-year tax payment because Denver had a lot of stuff to clear off their books all of the players they traded were expiring contracts and not only did they give up that first round pick but they also got worse even though Wilson Chandler disappointed last year even though Kenneth Freed had been marginalized in the rotation those were still useful pieces and they didn't really replace Wilson Chandler either they let him go they re-signed Torrey Craig they're going to probably move Will Barton to the starting line then they need to replace Will Barton in the second unit, which is another conversation to have. And so for me, those are things that I'm uncomfortable with when you consider how important every game is going to be for the teams in the bottom half of the Western Conference playoff picture. Even if that's a, a, a pretty small difference, they gave up assets and gave up talent, might end up biting them in the butt. The criteria that we use for these rings, which I probably should have said at the beginning, to me at least, is based on the available resources how much did this team improve its future based on where you would have thought it would be before the summer and the nuggets were well into the tax that we cannot penalize them for the decisions that made them get into the tax i think we can penalize their ownership though for not being willing to pay a reasonable tax payment they felt like they needed to get all the way out of the tax and it's possible i think that they could have gotten down to a reasonable tax payment and not had to give up a first rounder you know maybe they could have done the chandler trade maybe they could have gotten off of arthur without having to give up a first round pick once you had to do arthur and farid then they had to give up that first and that's top 12 protected for infinity and that could end up being a pretty valuable pick because the nuggets very easily could be exactly exactly where they've been the last two years of you know 13th 14th pick if they just don't make the playoffs they certainly will be trying to do that this year porter i did like that pick quite a bit uh, even with the news that he has to have another back surgery that's not amazing but maybe that will solve some of the issues that, that he had he clearly was not totally healthy it seemed like in terms of trying to get back from a 
that surgery that he had way back i think it was in november of 2017 but porter also despite i think the fact i think it's a great upside play probably fits worse on this team than just about any other team because they have a ton of great offensive players already he's not renowned for his defense and they really need some more defense on the wing so still like the pick but just not quite as much as i might have liked it for a clippers or a charlotte you know a team that really needed players who have a lot of upside to maybe try to get a star that they just don't have a chance at the nuggets already have some some players like that but as you mentioned i don't think there's a huge opportunity cost in terms of the guys who went right behind him the barton contract was a little bit of an overpay to me especially giving the player option four years 53 million dollars after there was some rumored interest from the pacers playing him at the three i just have no idea how they propose to stop anybody if they're doing that even if the numbers on that unit were good chandler i i think still could have provided some level of depth that, that they needed you know, he, he is a useful player if perhaps an overpaid one i didn't I, I think that their execution if you buy the idea that hey we just have to dump this salary i think they you know those were fair trades i would rate those trades just on their own as kind of a c if you're given that hey we have a mandate we have to dump this but you know they shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with and then you know they should have been willing to bite the bullet and and pay some tax instead of giving up that first round pick especially given how much money they've saved previously and the fact that they don't project to be in the tax anytime soon some people are like oh well you know it doesn't make sense to start the clock on the repeater tax like oh really like six years from now that's what you're worried about them being in the repeater tax uh the odds of that being useful as opposed to giving up a first round pick i mean and if you want to think of it that way too like if you traded that first round pick to actually get a player who could help you think of what sort of player might have been available for a first round pick nobody trades first round picks anymore to actually get players that will help you you know so so that's a another thing too maybe in 2019 that trade could have taken place uh i didn't really care for re-signing tory craig i think there were other better players available in that kind of two million dollar a year salary band they and it didn't cost them anything to keep craig's qualifying offer on the books either it's not like they had to would have had to renounce him to make another offer sheet so a ty wallace so Travion Graham, who was an unrestricted free agent and signed for less than Craig did. Uh, I think that Graham is a better player than Craig. I think Ty Wallace is a better player than Craig. He just was not someone who impressed me last year. It just not, uh, his defense is just kind of, solid not great and then uh, offensively is a real liability what did you think of the isaiah signing it's fine i mean the timing of this is is fascinating for the nuggets because they need a backup point guard right away that was part of the reason they didn't make the playoffs last year was they had all these struggles i mean emmanuel moutier who they ended up sending to new york and then they got Devin Harris and all these other things. And that means Monty Morris, until Isaiah is right, whenever that is, and we don't know yeah. exactly when he, that's going he to be. Claimed, Monty Morris he is claimed he'll be ready in September. Uh, you know, we'll see. He's, sure. Uh, he, he, he's not, he can claim lots yeah, of things. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I think if they can survive that stretch, Isaiah is as good or is better. I mean, if he's anything close to healthy than anybody else they could get for the minimum at backup point guard. They don't need as much shot creation as other teams. So you're right about that. But I mean, depending on how they stagger his minutes with Jokic and a lot of other things and he's I, he gives them a, another offensive engine which is I generally support that even on teams that have a lot of more guys they can do that than most I just support it because it's, it can be a, a real stagnation point for other teams so I'm, I'm on board with that the other thing I want to make sure that we mention because this is minutia but also incredibly important minutia is the impatience that Denver used which screwed them a little bit and that's that they rushed to sign Jared Vanderbilt and I think it was Torrey Craig with 
the mid-level exception. And because of the way they did it and because of the timing, they used the taxpayer mid-level and you can't reclassify that. So after they made the Arthur and Fareed trade, which presumably they had been negotiating for a while, there were a bunch of other teams that had that option and all that. They did not have access to the non-taxpayer mid-level, which was a larger amount, or the biannual exception. And it's possible they wouldn't have used much or all of that money, that they wouldn't that it wouldn't have been a big deal, but they knew where they were going. And it's not like those players had so much leverage, especially Craig, who I think they overpaid by a little bit, to say, if you don't sign me today, I'm going to go somewhere else. And they did lose something material because of it. Another thing we should talk about as well, I all your points and i also should say that i think i vanderbilt was one of the guys i was most intrigued by in the second round it has some health issues also Nikola Jokic, you'll recall they declined his team option, which would have been for the minimum, to make him a restricted free agent. And then the deal that they got him on, including incentives, starts off at a little bit less than the max all the way through. Ends up being about $8 million less than the max over the course of the contract. And then they also avoided having to give him a player option on the end of that. It's just a straight five-year deal. So they were able to negotiate something. There are incentives that can push it up to the max, but those are ones that they... Uh, according to Zach Lowe's report, are team-based incentives that they would be happy to pay ultimately. And so I, I think they did, you know, not an amazing job there, but I think, you know, they did about as well as could have been expected. Jokic has played incredibly well. He was uh, a max player, but there wasn't necessarily a clear place he could have gotten an offer sheet because everyone knew Denver would have just maxed it anyway or matched it anyway. So they did have some modicum of leverage and they used it adequately, I would think. So that, I mean, that's another one where I would just say that was about what I expected to happen so that you know that's another kind of c transaction here ultimately i ended up with a c minus you know difficult to say okay these tax avoidance trades you don't want to penalize them for being in that position i am penalizing them for not being willing to pay a reasonable amount of tax that's ownership but that goes you know we're not talking about the gms we're giving the team the whole organization these grades uh i thought they did fine in those trades i liked the porter pick a lot barton i thought was a, a slight negative in, in overpaying but they also had no way to replace him at least for this year you know i mean that's that's another part of this that we were critical of was the idea of oh we can't take a step back this year and now they've really hurt their flexibility for next summer with the will barton and, and what's on a, a slight overpay but because they had no way to replace him this year they felt like they had to bring him back and maybe pay much more than and much longer for the 27 year old than similar players were getting in the market well yeah and the, uh, they would have had access to their uh, with the way things turned out they would have had access to their full non-taxpayer middle level exception you could have done a lot with that in this market i mean you probably couldn't have gotten somebody as good as will barton but it wouldn't have been that big a difference and also i think denver didn't use the power they had just because those sort of offer sheet for guys at you know 12 to 15 million those offers weren't there because teams just yeah. didn't have that supposedly kind of the pacers i mean it, you know, it only takes one team how real that interest sure. is who knows uh but yeah but like for example i you know there are guys like then i'm not even saying wayne ellington was the right fit but you look at what he got versus what will barton got and those are different players but it's a pretty stark difference for the the margin in terms of quality of player yeah so ultimately i went with the with the c minus uh so did yeah, i yeah i mean and this is 
one if porter turns out to be awesome you know this ends up being like a p plus you know if barton really can play the three and and you know they're a solid playoff team this year uh, and you know that first round pick ends up being you know 22nd then you you don't worry about as much so still much to be determined here as it is uh, for all these teams but yeah c minus is what i have for now it could certainly end up better and i also want to tell people you know c is average c is not bad it, it, yeah for pe- yeah. some people this, do this isn't, that uh, way. this isn't fucking business school here like you know uh you uh c is average b plus yeah, exactly. is not average like it is in business school and i went to business school so i know that let's move on to the golden state warriors the i mean they added demarcus cousins jonas ribko and jacob evans with their draft first round draft pick they lost javel mcgee zaza Pachulia, david west and nick young they retained kevin durant on a one plus one kevon looney on a one-year minimum deal and i expect they will eventually bring back patrick mccaw on his qualifying offer that is not done yet but that it, I, and I didn't really price that in i don't think that would have affected the grades really at all and i think i went more negative than a lot of people will be surprised by here but i gave them a b plus and the big reason why i did and i'm sure people could go oh my god they got to marcus cousins he's a way better player and there is certainly upside here but i think there are two different negatives in their offseason that are very important to talk about and i think you've done a good job of raising these before but they need to be repeated one is the warriors did not address their biggest weakness their biggest weakness was not getting a, a really good center because draymond green is going to play center in their most important minutes it's getting more depth especially at the forward spots but let's say two through four so in case somebody's injured in case somebody's ineffective or in foul trouble they can make that work the warriors did almost nothing if we're taking the threshold of the conference finals like those type yeah. of games they did almost nothing to solve that problem because Jerepko, fine regular season player not a playoff guy against the best teams evans it'll be a while if he even gets there we, we don't know i have i have qualms about that and so that's one big problem the other one and the warriors might be able to solve this with their culture people say that all the time we'll we'll see when the rubber meets the road is the possibility that demarcus cousins presence paralleling carmelo anthony on the on the thunder last year puts the warriors in positions where they don't play their best combinations because of his presence because the warriors best five-man lineup now even if demarcus cousins is 100 percent does not involve demarcus cousins and so in key situations if that is a, a circumstance that goes into marcus cousins direction unless he's been awesome it, it opens the door for an unusual mistake and so that's why i gave them a b plus is you have those two things running together that are concerning yeah i, I agree with you i think you know if cousins is going to be on the floor at the end of games or even if he's not i mean the warriors for the entirety of their series against houston the warriors switched everything and with cousins out there you're not going to be able to do that he gives teams a place to attack and is he going to add so much offensively this is already one of the greatest offenses of all time they did struggle against the rockets the rockets so maybe he would help there but i think against houston the defensive downgrade will probably be larger than the offensive upgrade uh we'll see whether that's the case or not we'll see what kind of how he comes back i mean we're i think you still just in your brain it's very difficult to just downgrade a player for coming off an achilles what is it that in practice going to look like especially in a series against a team like houston where the margins are so thin now they could get bailed out because i think houston took even more of a step back than the Warriors did but those these guys are getting old you know Steph Curry Kevin Durant I mean are they going to be able to be as good again as they were at the end of that Houston series just make ridiculous shots to take them home 
probably but you know one of these years that, that's not gonna happen then really the other thing the jacob evans pick the rationale behind picking him was well we want a guy who can actually potentially contribute this year generally when that's the rationale with picks it usually doesn't work out it is the rare rookie even if it's one who is older especially one who's taken late in the first round who can actually contribute at the highest levels to a winning team evans's defense is impressive his offense uh was absolutely atrocious in summer league the odds are just that he's not going to contribute this year and he certainly is a very low upside player it's difficult to imagine him becoming a starter with some of his offensive limitations they're also only going to be carrying 14 guys right now due to the tax maybe that'll change you know if they end up getting somebody good on the buyout market then and paying a lot less for him just a rest of season contract then they save some money okay i get it but as of now you know as the as they start the season uh a 15th guy they probably could have gotten someone useful at the minimum Jarebko as you mentioned he'll help in the regular season just for shooting but I mean this team was last in the NBA in bench threes a year ago Jarebko helps with that very slightly but I think they'll be right down in that mix again so I actually went with a B minus Danny I, I think that especially due to the health risks for Cousins also is how much is he going to help with wear and tear in the regular season not much uh so I, I'm uh you know I think if if all their main guys stay healthy if Steph Curry doesn't miss 35 games next year then uh, you know i think they'll have a better record but they basically added one guy that i expect to be in their playoff rotation and that's cousins maybe looney i mean getting him back for the minimum was solid uh he actually contributed last year to my surprise but nonetheless i i mean the cousins it looks good it, it could give them phenomenal upside but i just uh, i'm very skeptical on how much he's gonna help it, it, you know it was a no-brainer move to do that but to not be able to fill in any further uh, and get just one more shooter i mean even just like you know some kind of like bryn forbes type of guy to just play during the regular season and, and bang some threes off the bench could have been useful for them because it's just it, it, if steph curry misses time like these guys are gonna look really bad again yeah and they had some of the more desirable minimum slots available and so you see some of the guys that took the minimum or close to it other places i mean it seems like that could have been valuable and also kind of along those lines if the warriors are going to decline the option on damian jones opening up that roster spot too i mean maybe for certain people they're like oh well, i don't want to be the last oh, no. guy on the bench it, with the warriors is kurt gonna feel okay with a, with only five centers on the roster though i don't know it, it is acceptable. and something else this didn't affect my grades at all but kevin durant choosing a one plus one which he earned you know he had the ability i supported bob myers basically saying he can sign whatever contract he wants that helped them financially but it also increases the volatility moving forward as i said it doesn't affect grades but i wanted to mention it because it will be a part of the story of this offseason eventually whether he stays or goes so we'll, we'll see how that turns out but i wanted to mention it just for the sake of completeness would you have ever considered negotiating a little bit harder and saying hey we're only offering you the two plus one and but we will give you the max but you got to sign on for two years no i i mean he, just, just he i wouldn't have done it he, no he's he's too too important a player and i mean he the sacrifice that he made to join the warriors and the financial sacrifice last year if he will if he wants to leave after one more year i mean the warriors are the title favorites this year whether they win or lose he did his job you know i don't i don't think you that's a circumstance where you don't want to pull it especially considering the relationships he has with their other key players i, I don't i don't think he messed with it. if he leaves on his own prerogative that's fine but if it if it's even perceived that you kind of pushed 
him out a little bit, I don't think that would work out well. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I wanted to just kick that around for a second. Oh, I get that. Ready to move on to Houston? Oh, yeah. So the Houston Rockets, the most important thing they did was retaining Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Gerald Green. They also added, eventually, imminently, Carmelo Anthony, James Ennis. They drafted D'Anthony Melton, signed MCW, and then Vince Edwards, they drafted. We'll see if he actually makes the team. And then the important group also, they lost Trevor Ariza, Luke Richard and Bob Mute, Onuaku today. We I don't think we'll talk about that news right now, but it happened. They traded him. And Aaron Jackson. And so the Rockets, every year there are a couple of teams like this where they have really strong positives. Capella's contract is a huge positive. Chris Paul not getting a fifth year is a huge positive. Ennis and Gerald Green, at the minimum, are both very good contracts. But because they get looked at through a different prism, I ended up giving them a C- because this is a team that is well-positioned to be in the championship mix. And I think they it's not necessarily that they lowered their ceiling. I think they lowered their expected value and they lowered their ceiling with all of the moves they made or chose not to make. I think within the evidence constraints that their owner provided if you want to just say hey you know what this was if Tillman Fertitta went to Gerald Morey and I thought his assertion that they've never discussed the luxury tax in one meeting to be absolutely laughable if you're gonna say all right this was their budget they couldn't go above this under any circumstances I would give them an A right I mean they got a did a great job getting Capella I mean Capella's gonna start at like 16 million this year you know I mean that that's just an amazing deal uh Paul not having to give him the fifth year I think they did pretty well there um that and that kind of makes things easier than the structure that I'd kicked around which was having some non-guarantees on the end of it but you know that now you don't have the awkwardness of like having to waive them or something like that to uh get the benefit of those non-guarantees towards the end so I I think that they did pretty well there with Paul I mean the amount of guaranteed money that they had to give him was uh, right about where I thought it would end up and I think the structure of it is fine uh getting Ennis for the minimum was good Carmelo now that's really the question right with Carmelo is would they just be better signing you know bringing back someone else for that roster slot and for the minimum like do you think that Carmelo could actually hurt them I think he can right I mean the whole reason they were so successful against Golden State was they didn't have any weak links out there defensively they could switch everything we saw Carmelo I mean he'll be better in this system when they are switching everything and you know when he's got Chris Paul barking at him but he's going to be a huge defensive liability and he can be isolated pretty much anytime having him try to guard Kevin Durant or Steph Curry in an isolation is just not going to work in any way shape or form him trying to guard Clay Thompson running around is not going to work either and well I think he'll be well and the communication on those switches and everything else like that if if they try to you know stress test it Utah did this really well last year it wasn't even just an isolation it was that he just would lose his guy either through apathy or failure to execute and those will be a big problem against the Warriors because the Warriors challenge teams as much in that movement mentality as almost anybody yeah and you know if he's not working out against Golden State you know I think he'll help them in the regular season he can take some wear and tear off of Paul and Harden and Eric Gordon Although I think if they're giving the ball to Carmelo instead of Eric Gordon, that would actually be a mistake uh, because I think Gordon is better than Carmelo offensively at this point in time. To me, though, uh, he'll be better this year. He does give them a little bit of a post-up, mid-post ISO element that they didn't have that can be useful if teams are switching against them. But I I still think he just, uh, much like I said with Cousins, he gives teams a place to attack defensively. And I don't know how much he really helps them offensively, especially if he can't improve his spot-up shooting off of where he was 
in Oklahoma City. So I think the, the biggest reason that I ended up going for a D was just that I think Melo might actively hurt them. And are they going to have the balls to bench him if it's not working out? You know, that's a very interesting question. Are they going to play him over superior guys like Eric Gordon? Maybe even Ennis. We'll see how he plays this year. Uh, that could be an issue. Or, or are they going to play Tucker at center and Melo at the four and bench Capella at, at the end of games? You know, th- that's... Uh, I think that's going to be difficult, especially given uh, the vehemence of Carmelo's statements after the season was over about coming off the bench, not sacrificing, not feeling that, you know, having to sacrifice last year, like hurt his game somehow. Uh, So if they had just not gotten Carmelo, I think I would have them at a C and maybe even more than that. Losing Ariza obviously is going to be a big problem for them. So if they had just not gotten Carmelo and I were grading solely on the sense of, all right, here's your budget. You know, if I'm just grading Daryl Morey, because I, I have the feeling that like his players probably wanted Carmelo. He might not even want Carmelo that much. And then for Tid only allowed him to spend a certain amount of money. If I'm grading Daryl Morey, I'd probably give him like a B plus here. But because of not being willing to pay the tax, they lost Ariza. They lost Mbamute. Mute. They're not even going to spend, it looks like, the mini mid-level. And now presumably his players want him to get Carmelo, even though, because they don't realize that Carmelo sucks. And so that's why I got to go with the D here for the, and again, it's an overall organizational grade. I thought about that, but ended up with the C minus partially because this is a weird thing to do with the Rockets, but a lot of the stuff from this year is going to wash away. And then having Chris Paul and Clint Capella on these favorable to in varying ways contracts will be more important. You know, like those are going to be the lingering impacts of this offseason or those. But this year is their best chance, though, Danny. I mean, they're they're, and that's what I had. That's what I had to square. Like in in a normal circumstance, I would have probably given a higher grade than I did. You know, like then. But because this year really matters, banners fly forever this is their best shot i mean we don't know how much chris paul has left harden i mean if he could play at this level for a while but you never know i mean it's it and we don't know exactly what's going on with the lakers but this is uh, an opportunity and they did not maximize this opportunity in any way shape or form and then the other part of this we talked about this a little bit with denver i actually got more frustrated by them not signing a reason and Mbamute when those guys both signed one year contracts sure. because part of what i understood of like oh you know maybe those guys go if they, you know, if Ariza gets three years, 45 million or something. Yeah. I mean, if another team's going to be stupid enough to do that, by all means. And Mbamute, same kind of idea. If the team's going to give multiple years. No, I mean, Mbamute signed a fine contract. Ariza's maybe a little bit of an overpay. And the Rockets especially because they didn't use the mini mid level they basically could have done that they could they could have gotten something close with Mbamute and then with Ariza they had full bird rights they could have done whatever the heck they wanted and so it would have been that one time hit and maybe it's possible that they, those guys were more amenable to a shorter term contract with a different team that it would have been kind of like a sting like it would have been felt differently but whatever I mean it, it was a better circumstance and they, both those guys would have had a lot of opportunity to play so that actually pissed me off more that those guys didn't take that it didn't take a great offer to pull them away from the Rockets yeah so I went at the D you had a C minus let's get to the Clippers now Shea Gilgis Alexander drafted number 11 they paid a a small price to move up to 11 to grab him Miles Bridges went 12th and they got Jerome Robinson at 13 they also traded Austin Rivers for Marching Gortat they signed Luke Mbamute to a one-year $4.3 million deal, gave the rest of their mid-level exception on a one-year deal to Mike Scott as a stretch four option. They also retained Avery Bradley on, I thought, a very team-friendly contract with a small non-guarantee for next year, $12 million per season. The guarantee date for Bradley july 3rd of next year so that is team friendly as well they should have a pretty good idea of whether they can do better than him with that space by that time 
Montrez Harrell. I thought they slightly overpaid him. He's six million flat for the next uh, two years. That's really the only fully guaranteed contract they gave out that goes into the summer of 2019. So six million a year is. I think I don't think he's not worth that, but it would have been nice to get him for one more year and maybe get him for a slightly lower annual value uh, because he didn't really have much leverage. They also picked up the option on, or I shouldn't say option, they guaranteed the contract of Milos Teodosic, which there was no opportunity cost to that whatsoever, given they'd already used their mid-level and they're going to be below the tax this year for sure. Ty Wallace still sitting out there for them right now and they don't really seem to have much of a roster spot available for him, but they've got some some dead weight on the roster that they haven't seen willing to move on for and then they waived cj williams which uh, as we talked about i was not particularly in favor of and they're gonna have to lose two more guys on this roster eventually um so what do you make of all this I thought they did a really good job of executing what it seems like Steve Ballmer wanted. And there's this gamble that a couple of teams, when we talk about Brooklyn, whenever we do them, it'll come up there too, of the idea of being better, but not necessarily being a playoff team and whether that is valuable in terms of pursuing free agents. Because there is a a cost to using all of your resources on these short-term deals. I mean, a lot of them turned into team-friendly deals. I like them for that purpose, but there isn't any long-term value in most of these other than if they could get something maybe for Avery Bradley so i actually read it as the most important thing for me was their draft picks because those are the players that'll be a part of the next clippers team next like great clippers team whenever that is hopefully it comes soon i like the shea pick he impressed me in summer league i'm still not all the way in but i i I saw i am not a big fan of jerome robinson just to me kind of seemed like one of those players who gets overvalued in the process without thinking about where he fits into the modern nba not a bad player but just i was kind of sitting there when you look at some of the other guys that were available taking a flyer on Michael Porter among them that would have just been I think a better use of that resource but a lot of these team-friendly contracts are reasonable and Austin Rivers for Marcin Gortat is fascinating because I think from a resource perspective that's a weird trade because there were just so many cheap centers around on the market and Austin Rivers is a better I, I think you know he he plays a more valuable position at the bare yeah, minimum but they already have but so maybe many from of these a, guys they drafted right. those guys like and also just for exactly the exactly aspect and for the person personality yeah. part and that's exactly where it got to like you know I, I there are parts of that trade that he didn't love from the clippers perspective but i think it made sense you know this the specifics of it being the los angeles clippers trading austin rivers rather than another team i think is very significant and so i ended up with a b plus shea is a big part of that I, I think that he could be a good fit if i felt more confident in michael porter's situation i probably actually would have downgraded not because of shea but because of robinson over over porter and some of those other guys and you know the contracts are reasonable i i think that they should be happy with over overall where that turned out and the Harrell at six million I agree with you it's a little bit of overpay but if for whatever reason they need to clear that money I don't think it'll be too hard especially because of how many teams are going to have space next year yeah. and losing DeAndre eh, you know like that that's not a bit not a big deal for them the drop-off there is a drop-off for me from Jordan to Gortat but I don't think that's going to cost them a playoff berth or anything like that it, it might hurt them especially because DeAndre was so much more he's so durable which was a very important part of his value to them but yeah losing CJ what they 
do with these last two roster spots will also be important, like who they cut, whether they can make a trade or not. But yeah, I think a B plus was a fair overall grade. I went with a B. I still felt they should have taken a chance on Porter because the big thing this team doesn't have is anyone with star upside especially when you have two picks you can afford to swing for the moon and especially when they have this ridiculous amount of depth on the team already if he misses a year who cares you know it's not like you're counting him to contribute this year and obviously very few rookies contribute regardless of whether they're healthy or not so I thought that was a, a miss too, especially when you had two bites of the apple. And even Miles Bridges too, I would have been more interested in. There was some talk that they might trade up. I don't know that they really could have traded up into a much higher of a tier than they already were. You know, I don't think picks in the top seven were really available to them, even if they had offered 12 and 13. Now you can make the argument that more teams should consider a trade like that. But in practice, top seven picks, you can't offer a couple picks in the teens and get up there. Um, I think just holding on to Juwan Evans and Sam Decker and Wes Johnson, letting Williams go, not as at least as of now, bring back Ty Wallace. We'll see what happens with him. You know, I don't really care for that, but I think uh, overall they've gotten some value contracts. Uh, and Bob Mute, Mike Scott. I mean, this is going to be maybe the deepest team in the league, although they do have some injury-prone guys to be sure. And they also managed to stay competitive this year and not really hurt themselves going into the 2019 Cap Space Derby. So that's why I went with a B, yeah. and you and that's you had a B plus, so right? Yeah, and that's the last thing I want to mention was while I disagree with their the kind of the the focus on being as good as possible this year while also not sacrificing spending any long-term money this is a much less damaging miss if i'm right than like what sacramento did where they gave these multi-year contracts to veterans and all the kind of stuff you know like the the worst that happens here is they're worse than expected and these contracts all wash out the books that's fine you know it's a lost opportunity but it's not a big lost opportunity let's get to the lakers we know what they did lebron rondo one year nine million lance stevenson did not technically end up getting the room exception but right around that level one year four million or so JaVale McGee one year for the minimum they drafted Mo Wagner with that pick they got from the Cavs Mo Wagner I'm sorry with that pick they got from the Cavs number 25 overall uh Isaac Bonga they bought the 39th pick from Philly and got him also got Svi Mikhailuk and they signed Mike Beasley to a one-year 3.5 million dollar deal they retained KCP on one year 12 million Julius Randle they pulled his qualifying offer enabling him to sign with the Pels on a one plus one for the mid-level exception Brooke Lopez out the door he signed for very little the BAE with the Bucks 3.3 million Isaiah Thomas Chang Fry Thomas Bryant they waived Tyler Ennis they waived I ended up despite the fact that they got LeBron I mean that's awesome I kind of thought they're like this year's Wolves where they got the big thing right and then I didn't really like much else that they did so I ended up giving them a B here because I think they just should have been able to do a little bit better than this with a year of LeBron's prime and specifically the number of guys they got who all need the ball in their hands who are not really going to operate well as support players Stevenson in particular just makes no sense whatsoever Beasley uh who is being brought in for 3.5 million when they've already got a better player to play that exact role in in Kyle Kuzma doesn't really make much sense either uh JaVale I mean they only have one center on the roster which I you know I I like the idea that they're going to try to play smaller that's cool uh but we'll see I mean I think just in terms of pure talent there were centers available that would have helped them more than say Lance Stevenson would have and, and then Rondo you know the dynamic with he and Lonzo like what, how's that going to go they're not going to need to guard Rondo 
uh, when LeBron has the ball in his hand. So I I don't really believe in their vision. Um, and, but they made the decision to keep everything open for 2019. Maybe they could have done better if they'd been willing to give out longer contracts. But they, of course, weren't willing to do that. They want to keep a max slot open for 2019. I use similar logic to you, but I actually went way lower in my grade. I gave them a C minus. And the oh, reason baby. for that, the, for me, the, the parallel with LeBron is like getting the number one draft pick and drafting the right guy. Certainly good. You get you get credit for it. But they didn't do anything this offseason. Emphasis on this. They did a lot of great stuff. If you want to listen to the podcast we did on that on July 2nd, you can. They didn't do a lot this offseason, if anything, to, to inspire that commitment. And he signed a three plus one, which is awesome for them. If I were giving credit for how the offseason went for the Lakers, I would give them a higher grade. But that isn't really what this is. It's about how they did as an organization. And so they get some credit for that, to, to be damn sure. But they don't get a ton. And what being LeBron basically said, like, I'm here for the long haul kind of stuff. It was basically like the, this is where I wanted to be. <laughs> it's not about what they did now. And when you look at how they built around LeBron after the fact, it's it's incredible. I mean, even if you work within the constraints that they were dealing with of trying to keep LeBron happy, I, I can explain the KCP contract with that and not wanting to sign multi-year contract. I, I KCP totally was fine. totally good, by the way, at that point. Yeah, I have, I have no problem. I have no problem with that, with that deal. And even though he does overlap with a guy like Josh Hart, I think you can play those guys together. You can make that work. Not a big deal. And, but if you work within the, okay, we are now a LeBron James team. The moves they made just don't make sense and could actively antagonize him. And now you don't have to worry about him signing a one plus one and leaving or anything silly like that. But this is going to be more of a lost year. And they also got these guys who not only will be hard for LeBron to play with, but who don't make sense with their young guys. And so I think the Rondo ball situation could end up blowing up in their face. Beasley, if, if Luke Walton plays Beasley over Kuzma, that could be an issue. I think Brandon Ingram is high enough in the pecking order that I don't have to worry about that as much with a guy like Lance. But they just have a lot of those type of things. And, you know, maybe Bongo works out. I didn't see much from him in summer league. You didn't play that much. I like Svi. I've liked Svi for a long time. Not as much as you, not as much as Smiths, but I still do like him. And Wagner was better than I expected, which is good. But I think Wagner, to me, there are a lot of echoes of what Cleveland tried to do with LeBron that didn't work, which is, oh, it's so cool if we can do floor spacing at the center spot and think about what that can do to our offense without acknowledging that you have to be good on both sides of the floor if you're going to beat the best of the best. And so Wagner, he showed more defensively than I expected, but more in terms of process because I just, I don't, I don't have enough film on him in my brain yet to know this definitively. I think of him more as a luxury, more of like the Channing Fry type thing where Channing Fry didn't get, didn't get as much play in the playoffs because players like Mo Wagner, when you look at where these series have gone, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Celtics, all of these guys, those players are largely getting marginalized. At least he can shoot and he did show sure. more toughness and rebounding ability than expected in summer league. But it, so it's possible that he could fill into the, the role of a stretch for it's just how valuable are those players you know does he really have a chance to help them at the highest level someday but i mean it's 25 if he can play it all it's all right i mean it's not at least he can shoot so he's not as bad as you know like a caleb swanigan type of pick last year where you really just have no idea what his skill is to get him on the floor uh i, I mean they still got lebron and this is just a philosophical difference i think more than an evaluation difference for you and i to me to give him a b i mean if you're i mean it, it sounds like you're just like not really counting getting lebron but i mean by my criteria which is okay how much better are you based on the available resources uh you know there was no guarantee at the start that they're going to get lebron at least you know we didn't know that for sure and they at least managed to not screw that up the fact that they managed to get lebron to come even though i mean it is disappointing you might say to like not even get a meeting with paul george like not even get in the mix with any other stars not trading for Kawhi leonard um 
you know we'll see if that comes back to haunt them i mean that's probably something we should mention as well we'll see what kind of shape Kawhi is in this year maybe they just the spurs just were not interested in anything that the lakers had but you know if they had been willing to put brandon ingram into that deal maybe that could have changed the spurs feelings by all accounts they never were willing to even think about doing that and you know we'll see if they get Kawhi in the summer of 2019 then the decision to not trade for him now looks like a great one uh if they don't get him similar to with paul george he stays in toronto or he goes somewhere else then it looks bad so i mean i think really while we can talk about ah you know this year it doesn't look that great they haven't built around lebron i think they all came to the conclusion that we're not going to beat golden state we're not going to be houston this year anyway with the available resources and so we're better to hold off hope these young guys grow up a little bit more all these other dudes will be gone next year we'll we'll get some big free agent in the summer of 2019 i mean you could say hey maybe they should have tried to go longer and not put all their eggs in the 2019 basket i don't think that was realistic i probably would have stuck the same way with the higher upside but, play. but not even but but not even getting any non-guarantees or team options or something else like j- this is the same thing with the knicks just because you don't want to have any commitments in 2019 yeah. doesn't mean you can't have any contracts that have any flexibility there you can do it that, that's totally allowed you can get look at utah the last couple like last year they had all these contracts that were team friendly for the first year and had these ability for the second year the lakers had playing time they overpaid a lot of these guys like they could have done so much more and given themselves flexibility and they also used all 15 it looks like roster spots sure they could cut somebody and do that but they added a lot of guys who there could be complications in cutting them emotionally or, or anything else so i this just seems to me and you're right i'm not giving much weight and that's why for me it's an organization grade it is not as much of in how how much better they are i just see it a little bit differently if i were grading on your criteria i would be giving them a grade like you did i just did use a different criteria for the for these kinds of cases and i think it's going to be you know there will be some lingering ramifications for this and any team that has you know they had a big opportunity even after they got lebron they had all this money yeah. available they that, had the, that's a great the taxpayer point, right? MLE. If you said before if you want to treat it as hey it's fate accompli that they're going to get lebron now what is their team going to look like for this season that this team that they built is on the very lower end of what you would have hoped for once they got LeBron or once you knew they were going to get LeBron. Yeah, but you look, you look at, and they didn't necessarily know they were getting him right away, but there were still a lot of good players on the board when he signed. And even, it, let, let's, we like KCP. So even if you throw that one out there, I mean, Rondo at his price, Michael Beasley at his price, Lance Stevenson at his price, like you could have done a lot with that money. Could have, could have really, you know, gotten guys with, with team friendly things for that second year, gotten players who actually make freaking sense with LeBron James, even with the guys that were already off the market when he decided. And they certainly could have had exploratory conversations like, let's say Seth Curry if Seth Curry I think would be a very interesting fit with LeBron especially if you're not caring as much about defense say okay you know if you want to give us a little bit we maybe we'll offer you three million can you wait 12 hours or 24 hours or 36 hours maybe he doesn't maybe they made that offer and and those type of guys but there were just so many interesting players that just they either didn't consider didn't offer or just chose to do something else and players don't usually turn down LA so I don't give them the benefit of the doubt there yeah when you consider that Wayne Ellington one year six point two million to go back with the heat signed very late in free agency i mean james ennis sure yeah i mean and they could have offered all these guys more than they could have gotten there and i mean with ingram with lebron you might say yeah you know they needed a point guard like they did get maybe the best point guard that changed teams this year in rondo and that you know maybe lonzo will be injured and they need another point guard all right but like nine million for rondo i mean man that is just tough and then especially when you look at you couldn't even get like some kind of a player option or, or i'm sorry a team option or uh you know a non-guarantee if you're gonna pay rondo nine million 
million. Uh, that seems pretty crazy to me. Uh, so yeah, I, I went with the B, you went C minus there. Yes. Are you ready to move on to Memphis? Uh, I'm ready to move on to a read from our friends at Lending Club. With its unexpected repairs, medical expenses, credit card debt, a little money can make a big difference. And you can get that at LendingClub.com. When I was going into law school, I actually had some credit card debt. It would have been nice to get a consolidation loan from LendingClub.com. They give you access to low rates on loans of up to $40,000 for almost any purpose. Easier than going to a bank, and it offers lower rates than high-interest credit cards. You go to LendingClub.com, enter the amount you need, and you can find out if you're approved in just minutes. Pick the offer that's right for you, and the money can be in your account in just days. They've been operating now for more than 10 years, and they've helped millions of people with over $31 billion in loans. The way to get started with them, lendingclub.com slash capspace. They'll let you check your rate for free, and checking your rate won't impact your credit score. Once again, that's lendingclub.com slash capspace. Make sure you use that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. All loans made by WebBank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. So the Grizz, uh, yeah, what did they do? They drafted Jaron Jackson Jr. and Javon Carter. They signed Kyle Anderson to the full mid-level for four years. They signed Omri Caspi. They traded for Garrett Temple, giving up Deontay Davis, Ben McElmore, and a second-round pick, eventual second-round pick. They also did the Jarrell Martin, Dakari Johnson deal. And then they lost Tyreek, the aforementioned two players to the Kings, and Jarrell Martin. And so I don't think we talked about it enough at the time, but one of the big decisions that was made during the draft was Memphis drafting Jaron Jackson junior over Trey Young. And Jackson looked substantially better than Trey Young overall in summer league. I mean, especially in that stretch when they were both in Utah, Jackson was great and Young was awful. But I'm still going to, overall, I'm going to stand by where I was. And Jaron Jackson can help the Grizzlies more right now. I don't think that matters as much as the long term. You don't draft a guy for the first year or two, especially if you're in a playoff fringe team, not a title contender or anything silly. We talked about that with Evans. We wouldn't. Uh, Memphis has not exactly been uh, focused on the long term these last few years. Right. So I'm not saying it's catastrophic. I think I had those players right after each other. I think I had Trey Young three and had Jaron Jackson four or anything like that. But I do think we should talk a little bit about that decision because it was important when it was made. Yeah. And I think part of the reason that that happened, that they never even would have considered Trey Young, who granted, I think him going five was considered to be higher than most people would have had him. It seemed like Atlanta had him higher on their board, but if they were going to consider young i mean this is when like trey young could be a total bust right like we could sound like complete idiots you know i i had him number two on my board that's higher than just about anyone else had him so i think that needs to be acknowledged i think it also needs to be acknowledged that for me like jackson among the players who were left at that point he was probably the second best guy left uh, i would say on my board and they were never going to consider young because they have mike conley now you could say they have marcus soul so why would they pick jackson but jackson in theory uh and the way he at least was willing to take shots and he had that one ridiculous eight out of 13 game in utah you know it looks like he can play the four he's pretty mobile as well so maybe you're uh with mark gasol in place you're not like going over the top of him and Conley is probably way better than Gasol at this point in time if he's healthy. Still, I, I don't think that what position they had, Conley or Gasol, I mean, those guys have got a year or two left as high-level players. If that, you know, Gasol already really took a big step back last year. Conley missed most of the year due to injury. However, 
it doesn't really seem like a good idea based on that to not draft a guy to position because you have a, a Mike Conley who, you know, frankly should probably be traded here pretty soon, but they're not going to do that. Another big part of their offseason was retaining JB Bickerstaff. I think Bickerstaff is possibly the worst coach in the league. I don't think he did anything to deserve to stick around other than be cheap and be a company man while they tanked their asses off last year. He also had a, a miserable 2015-16 in Houston, I thought. So retaining him basically because he's cheap doesn't really seem like a, a great idea to me i mean maybe they think he's a good coach i'm in total disagreement right there uh i thought that the macklemore for temple trade was a really good one they basically dumped seven million in dead salary between macklemore and deontay davis and got back a guy who can play and all they had to give up was a 2021 second round pick and cash now that second round pick in 2021 could be pretty valuable i think these guys are going to really suck in 2021 but Still, to not have to give up a first rounder and get someone who can play and dump $7 million in dead seller, I think they did pretty well there. Uh, what did you make for, of, or I should say, of the Kyle Anderson deal, four years, $37 million, uh, at the full mid-level exception? I don't love it. Anderson is young relative to guys who changed teams this year. He'll turn 25 in September, so before the season starts. But his game, you know, there, I don't think there's a lot of untapped potential for him really on either end of the floor. And it's possible that being out of San Antonio will take some of that magic away. We'll have to see. I'm interested with him and Danny Green defensively on how that really works out. And Danny Green? Well, yeah, Danny Green. Because Danny Green going to Toronto oh, and not oh, being in San oh, Antonio. Oh, how he looks now that he's yeah. left San Antonio. Yeah, how he looks defensively because because like is there some fool's gold there like sometimes players that are in good situations when they move somewhere else they don't look as they don't look as capable and with kyle anderson you know giving money to threes is generally something i support but giving him four years and you know a little bit less than 10 million a year i don't love because the grizzlies don't have a lot of financial flexibility as of right now and if you consider conley a negative value contract as i do that that makes it hard to move we'll see with marcus all if somebody really wants to take on that money so they don't have many bites at this apple and I don't think he's better than Mbamute or I do think he's better than Ennis and Graham, but not by much. And so giving him that much more money, like it's not so much like, oh, they paid a small forward. It's the one that they chose to pay. So I'm not a huge fan of that. One thing I am really happy that Memphis didn't do was that they did not give up assets to unload Chandler Parsons. That was good. You know, I'm not giving them a grade bump for it because that would be crazy, but I am happy that they didn't do it. And I'm going to echo you with Bickerstaff. So I ended up giving them a C minus. I didn't, you know, I I talked before about how I would have taken at this point taken Young over Jaron, but that's that's a very small small part of this. Bickerstaff is a far bigger part of it, giving Kyle Anderson four years, and I didn't love the Temple part of it as much for you, just because I think the most valuable thing in that trade was that second round pick, and so it's not it's not a, again not a huge demerit, but it's a small thing, and so you have all these kind of things that are slight one way, slight the other way, and so for me that makes it a C minus. Also, would have been nice if maybe they could have tried to figure out a way to move up for Luka Doncic if Atlanta didn't want him you know i mean i know dallas paid i wouldn't say that steep of a price and obviously memphis also has their 2019 first rounder impacted by that trade the jeff green trade with the celtics one of two jeff green trades involving protected 2019 first round picks i just wrote the pick protection primer i love that so much let's get to the wolves i gave them a c and really though they made some changes on the margins they brought in tolliver who's a, a little bit more of a bomber a little bit better maybe defensively than Bielitsa. They could have retained Bielitsa, but you know, they didn't want to 
go with any money into next year because they have these big tax concerns they didn't want to pay the tax this year so they couldn't use the full mid-level exception they probably would have actually had room under the hard cap to do that if they're willing to pay the tax but they have some big tax payments coming so they, they didn't want to do that uh jamal crawford opted out there was really no chance of him coming back so he's not particularly part of this grade they brought back Derek rose uh, on the minimum i think that's reasonable considering uh, the way he played at times last year but really where you have to go is the drafting of josh akogi and Keita bates job and i think unlike last year at least these are guys who have a modern profile who have athleticism who don't have just totally broken shots uh bates job showed some things uh, in summer league we'll talk more about all these rookies of course so when we do finish up our summer league wrap up so uh, i think you know the drafting of those guys i don't really know what to make of it but those guys at least have a chance and i think they're pretty much neutral in their moves outside of that so that's why i ended up going with the c and maybe you can argue that the bielitsa thing they could have handled a little bit better but if you only you're only going to go one year for him uh he he wasn't interested he was a, he was a free agent so he could have gone back to europe but he wanted to as, as he threatened to uh after leaving philly and really squeezing him like that you know, didn't really seem to be in the cards and they got tolliver who you know especially on a one-year deal well i don't think he's a better player than bleac he might be more useful for what this team's need because they already have plenty of playmaking on this squad I give them a B minus and I think Tolliver given their constraints and I buy that a lot more for the Timberwolves than I do for a team like the Nuggets because we can already see the horizon here I mean yeah. they already paid Wiggins they're going to pay Carl Anthony Towns neither of which are factored in these grades because they haven't actually paid Towns yet and yeah which that, be Butler. that's, and that's an actually something situation right like so mm-hmm. are they I mean doesn't Carl Anthony Towns seem like just one of those guys that you would think all right no brainer we're just you know we're giving you the five-year max Come I, and I have sign a guess on, on what 1st. the issue is Go I'm guessing the issue relates to the designated veteran, like within that 25 to 30 range. I'm guessing there's a, a difference of opinion there in yeah. terms of and, and the options what, on what the you end, would get. and the options on the end sure. as well. Yeah, that could be there. But I mean, the reason why you would expect an off, off, offer there is because Carl Anthony Towns has a sky high cap hold because of the you know the calculations. He was the number one overall pick, and because he's already really really good. This is you know he is a much more sure thing than Andrew Wiggins, and or Devin not Booker, that those need to be compared matter. because Andrew Wiggins, not that not that. Any, being a as this came up with Devin Booker not that being a better extension than Andrew Wiggins is a justification for signing anything because it isn't and then I don't have a strong opinion on Josh Josh Okoji yet so I didn't really factor that either way and then I like Kata Bates the up for where he was taken he looked like a competent player you know still with any rookie it's going to take them some time and Tolliver for what they wanted you know a, a lower usage guy who can space the floor a little bit who's a good vet in the locker room I can buy all that but then the last thing I wanted to talk about this came up when we did the regrades a few days days ago for the west is i wonder how minnesota's zealousness and it is and it should be considered that to avoid the tax this year how that plays in the room if jimmy butler leaves because they are not a guaranteed repeater tax or anything like that if jimmy butler leaves they presumably that will happen without compensation because whatever team he would go to would not need to do it and so not using the full mid-level exception this year not using the biannual exception not, you know, not even yeah. using minimum contracts on a three who can be a like not even a part of your rotation because Tibbs doesn't really do that, but just an injury option in case Butler gets hurt again or you you know he doesn't you know Wiggins misses some time and you can't play him thirty nine minutes a game. Just it seems like there was some missed stuff on the margins here that maybe will bother me more depending on how the season goes. I didn't factor it in as much, but I want to mention it because there is a possibility that this is another one of those kind of coach GM things where not 
not fighting for every scrap could really hurt them, whether you want to count that paying tax part or just minimum contracts. Let's turn now to the pellets. But oh, so to repeat, uh, what did you have? I had a C. What did you have again? B minus. Let's turn now to the Pels. They added Julius Randle on the aforementioned one plus one for the full mid-level exception, although he can opt out. And then Alfred Payton got most of their BAE at $3 million. They also brought back Ian Clark on another one-year minimum deal. And of course, lost to Marcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo. Interesting, Joel Myers said uh, on his show a little bit ago, that rondo once that lakers offer materialized basically was like hey you got five minutes to beat this offer and they didn't do that and so then he went to the lakers i gave them a b i thought that especially given cousins inability to return maybe until you know december probably at the earliest and could be as late as like february that this is a team that's going to be fighting every scrap for the playoffs now maybe you could say hey they should have brought demarcus in and just bet on him coming back next year but this year really is the inflection point uh as we talked about uh, on our mailbag yesterday with anthony davis he will be eligible for the designated player veteran extension next summer but not before and so they got to be good this year for him to have any chance of signing that and if he doesn't sign it, he only has one year left on his contract and they're basically going to have to trade him if he doesn't want to sign it so they got to convince him they got to be good this year and i think you know Peyton was a decent recovery even if he he's been pretty ineffective so far he's never really played on a real team uh and as a backup point guard you could probably do worse hopefully they won't start him hopefully they'll start drew uh but those two guys maybe could play together a, a little bit Peyton's no worse of a shooter i would say than rondo is although rondo is a much better passer so Peyton probably exacerbates the spacing issues but they're gonna have a full year of Miritich, Julius Randle is a solid fit, uh, gives them an option against switching defenses, which, you know, he might even be a better option than AD against switching defenses. So that's helpful. Your problem, though, uh, so I, I gave him a B, but your problem, though, here, and we talked about this on our mailbag pod, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue that came out last night, is well, what the hell happens next year? Even if, you know, Randall plays really well, he's presumably going to get more than they can give him. The most that they could offer him would be 120% of what he was making this year to start with, assuming he opts out. And then Peyton, you know, how do you re-sign him if he plays uh, plays well? So even if you do play well this year, you know, you, you got to really go through it all. Again, maybe you could find a way to create some cap space for randall if they were to move on from salmon hill or stretch him and bring him back but it is difficult and then obviously this team doesn't have anybody at the three i don't know that there's anyone out there that they really could have gotten that would have helped them uh but you know that remains an enormous weakness for this team i had a pretty similar rationale gave them a b minus and i think that assuming the numbers had to be pretty similar i would rather give julius randall the mid-level exception than rondo as important as rondo was to this team just Rand- i think randall is a very intriguing fit and with rondo it's very possible that the clock could have struck midnight and he could have turned back into a pumpkin we've seen him have acrimonious relationships in multiple other stops not just in dallas and so that's something and you know even doc who loves rondo has talked about how challenging he is to coach and the bigger issue that i had with it and, and oh something i have to mention is one of the big parts that we just don't know with this offseason and it makes it hard to grade is just what offer it theoretically would have taken to get cousins back how much more obviously it would have been more than he got with the warriors but how many years what basically where where was the threshold for him and without knowing that i just have to kind of ignore it entirely they don't have cousins anymore what we 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 work with it you acknowledge that he's gone and you i guess you factor in a little bit but my big criticism with them was they need i use the term swingmen for twos and threes and then wings for threes and fours so in this case, it'd be swingmen that they need. They just need bodies there. And it's so shocking to me that they really haven't gone through that. You know, Ian Clark is a fine player, but you need, even if it's at the minimum, because they gave the basic function
functional, even though they didn't know it at the time. They gave the biannual to Alfred Payton. They need bodies. They need guys that can shoot, guys that can defend, ideally guys that can do both, but beggars can't be choosers. And that might end up being a big issue for this team. And I know they didn't have great means for it. And I'm fine with Julius Randle. I mean, he's a very intriguing player. I'm not saying they should have gone that direction with that. But when you look at the additions and the retentions, you don't see anybody at their position of greatest need. And that's a concern. Yeah. And again, it's tough to say who that could have been, but there were a few guys available. I mean, not every single team in the league could have signed James Ennis. necessarily and James Ennis is not necessarily a panacea it's not like he totally transformed the fortunes of the Detroit Pistons when they got him last year and I think certainly with Peyton and Randall for the BAE and the Emily, they added the most possible talent that they could, if not the best possible fit. I, I think you're overrating Alfred Peyton there. I'm not I'm not completely sold that he's an NBA rotation player. No, I'm not either. But he also is a guy who at least has some upside also from the area, interestingly enough, True. Uh, which, you know, that's critical. Uh, let's go to OKC. I'm interested, given your stance on the Lakers and LeBron, what type of credit you're willing to give the Thunder for having retained Paul George? Not much. I mean, it's the same basic rationale. If I were grading on how much better they got, I would be giving them either like an A- minus or a B plus probably, but I gave them a B- minus because getting Paul George back on a 3 plus 1, awesome for the franchise, but the groundwork of that was laid before this offseason. They didn't have to do any big signings or any trades. This wasn't like acquiring Carmelo Anthony, which in- encouraged Russell Westbrook to sign the designated veteran extension. This wasn't a circumstance like that at all. So that was a nice thing they did before. It worked out beautifully for Sam Presti. I have given credit there, but that doesn't count in countering to the offseason grades. So then you have these different factors here. So Nerlens Noel, Raymond Felton for the minimum. I like both of those things, you know, and giving Nerlens a player option on the second year. It's fine if you get him at the minimum, if that's what it takes. Cool. I like that they bought the Hamdu Diallo pick, even though I like D'Anthony Melton better than Diallo. You know, getting a pick for very little is is good. They might have given up a second that. I actually don't know the specific terms. But the big demerit, the reason why it's not even like an A or anything like that is because of Dennis Schroeder. And that is a lot of money to commit to a player who is a questionable fit on and off the floor who nobody wanted, you know, who was a very, very eminently available over the last little while. They treated him like an asset when nobody else did. And my general assumption when that happens, and there are times, well, there are lots of times when I'm wrong, is that every, the wisdom of crowds is that if nobody else wanted Schroeder and this team did, that as great as Sam Presti is at his job that he is not smarter than everybody else combined and so for me that's a big negative I think they overpaid Jeremy Grant something I hadn't thought about until Kevin Pelton mentioned it on my show on Real Jam Radio last week was they're probably starting Jeremy Grant which actually freaked me out a little bit I hadn't even really thought about it and it's just a lot of money for him they you know it's a a very player friendly deal and then they they kind of threw a lot at the wall with TLC Nader Diallo and we'll see what happens with their other two second round picks and I don't think any of those guys have that like real high upside and while I'm fine going after twos and threes OKC has shown that they can get a lot out of veteran minimum contracts and so I think throwing a lot of spots at those guys would be good for a lot of teams but when you consider the stakes and what they can get for the minimum I actually think they could have done better would you have rather stretched mellow or made this Hawks trade where they gave up that lottery protected 2022 first rounder and got back Schroeder making 15.5 over the next three years 
I probably would have rather stretched Melo than gotten Schroeder, even if I didn't have to give up anything. Ooh. So adding a first round, uh, adding a first round pick really doesn't help because sure, getting him, you know, you can think of that as a functional six million. If ownership is cool paying it, then that's fine. I mean, but apparently they are because they really are going to have no way. To, I mean, they're already in the repeater tax this year, and they're really going to have no way to get out of that. You know, the next couple of years, even. Yeah, I mean, they have their big pieces are already under contract, and a lot of them are not e- either too valuable to trade in, or they're on not on team-friendly contracts and it's not like okc has all these assets that they can dump maybe some of these young guys work out well and they can become sweeteners yeah i I mean and if you look at their numbers for three years from now you got westbrook making 41.4 stephen adams 27.5 paul george 35.4 schroeder 15.5 jeremy grant you know a player option for 9.7 terrence ferguson and they are at the tax that year with only six players on the roster i mean it's very difficult to imagine that the, unless one of those big pieces moves and they don't take salary back that they could avoid the tax any of the next years i mean this is going to be by the time it's all said and done this could be like one of the longest tax runs that we've seen in nba history and remember that number you were talking about was six guys that doesn't include andre robertson that doesn't include alex abrinas that doesn't include any depth guys that could be important for this team that's basically they're they're starting five maybe no, not even not even their starting five plus Ferguson. Maybe he steps into that spot created by Robertson. But like, yeah, I mean, that's super expensive for a team that we don't have as a title contender now, much less a couple of years from now. Yeah, and no real apparent way to get better either. But hey, if ownership's willing to pay this, like, I mean, we bitch about all these other owners not being willing to pay the tax. So I mean, if they're willing to pay, yeah, it, more but power I, to I feel like that might be a temporary condition, you know. It, it, and Schroeder, well, yeah, it, sure, if they can... continue to be the sixth seed every year, yeah, right. You know, it could be a circumstance where where you commit yourself to something that ownership then turns their back on certainly a possibility and some of these contracts are going to be really hard for them to move and Schroeder it gets more palatable over time and I, I don't think he's necessarily going to do a lot hopefully the you know domestic violence stuff isn't you know the, the, the elements that they're really concerning I don't, think, but... I don't think it was it I don't think it was domestic violence I think it was just an, an assault oh you're right it might have been yeah. an assault I can't I can't I, I, re- I remember the word felony and that's what's sticking in my head so I should have just said that word instead but yeah it was like Schroeder some kind of like a bar out, fight or something like that Okay, so there are certainly concerns there, and I don't want to discount it. We just need to find out a lot more information about it. And if Schroeder doesn't work out, teams are going to be willing to take on that contract. It's going to get more palatable, but it's going to take assets. And Oklahoma City, they've already have these commitments for another couple picks, and they it's it's a lot to do just for Dennis Schroeder, who I don't think is worth it. Dennis Schroeder initiated fight at hookah bar, cops say according to tmz.com uh so my grade was a b because of paul george i give them credit for being able to 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 get him back i mean it's not it's not sexy to say that you know when it wasn't like some decision that required them to target somebody or anything like like that either also the fact that they're able whether that was george's decision or theirs to get him to sign you know he'd been talking about maybe doing a one plus one but they actually got him to sign on uh for a three plus one instead so it's awesome yeah so i i I ended up giving them a b i mean i think considering uh, even because they got paul george back you know i think grant was a slight overpay noel is a good backup center option how diallo can join the brigade of wings that can't shoot who have a lot of athleticism that have run through okc these last few years getting ray felton back was useful and like you i think i re- would rather have stretched carmelo rather than done the trade i'm not sure if i'm quite as extreme of oh, i wouldn't have just done it straight up for shooter 
but yeah that's uh that gets you a b just because i mean they they have at least a team that projects to be a playoff team for the next few years now which you know i think most people would have said going into the summer that they were a good bet to lose paul george this one will be fun. The Phoenix Suns. So a lot of their activity was on draft night. They took DeAndre Ayton number one. They moved up from 16 to 10 to draft Mikhail Bridges, giving up Miami's 2021 unprotected first, which was part of the Goran Dragic deal. They also drafted Elia Kobo at 31. Then they signed Trevor Reza and traded Jared Dudley and a pro- slightly protected 2021 second for Darrell Arthur, basically just to save some money. And they decided to cut Tyler Eulis and Alan Williams, both of whom were non, non-guaranteed non team option. I can't remember exactly which one those two guys were. They also lost Alfred Payton, and they gave Devin Booker a max extension. Yeah, that Booker extension, as we've talked about a few times now, cost them $17 million in cap space. He would have had, I believe, a $9.9 million cap hold next year. His max salary will start at over $27 million if the cap projections are accurate. So you throw that in, and then the fact that we don't know if that's going to be a good contract yet. It could be. Yeah, and maybe he'll take another step forward. He did take a step forward last year, but still has not necessarily been a winning player when you consider his other non-scoring contributions. So this was not a no-brainer max extension. And then you throw in the cap space opportunity cost as well. They now will not really be significant players next offseason. They are looking at about 18 million or so in cap space. That Jared Dudley trade, the second rounder is protected 31 to 35. Uh, and then is immediately extinguished. But that's all the way in 2021. So we don't know what Phoenix will be at that point. But if it doesn't go, it gets extinguished immediately. But to give up a second, to give up a superior player in Jared Dudley, taking back Drill Arthur, just to open up $2 bucks, so they could then pay a million dollars in cash and get Rashawn Holmes from the Sixers. Yeah, you know, I mean, what do you think of that, that deal? I mean, you're basically, if you think of it as, you know, just in isolation, it's a horrible deal, Dudley and that second which could end up being relatively juicy for Dudley or I'm sorry Dudley for Arthur who's I imagine isn't going to contribute at all this year but then you're also able to get Holmes but I mean couldn't they have figured out a better way to open up a million bucks in space to just take him on and they they could have just traded away someone making the minimum and like create a trade exception and brought him back in or something like that I mean I, I think it really uh you know it was kind of tough to have to give up that good of an asset just to bring in Rashawn Holmes and that they couldn't come up with a more creative way to just create the you know 1.6 million dollars in cap space that they needed yeah it seems like there could have been a whole bunch of ways and i don't remember this is just off the top of my head i don't remember Ariza taking basically like every cent that they had left no. that, i maybe i'm wrong about that no, I didn't. so they, it seems they like they like could have they could have something yeah yeah so they, they, i think there could have been a way that they could structure this differently and been able to make it work but yeah so i ended up so there's one other big thing we need to mention this will be a part of it so i originally gave them a d plus and then i remembered about kakashkov and that was very important to me because unlike jb bickerstaff where we were were both very concerned about it. It's hard with a coach that only has assistant experience other than with the Slovenian national team. But I have heard a lot of overwhelmingly good things about him by people who don't really have an incentive to lie to me. And I like the work that he's done with the Slovenian team as well. So I moved it because of that. I moved it up from a D plus all the way to a straight C. 
I went with a D in part because I mean all the stuff that we are talking about here and we I at least haven't mentioned yet drafting DeAndre Ayton number one overall I thought that that was uh, I think that's gonna end up being a big mistake I think he just doesn't have the upside uh, to be you know a top 10 player in the league I think that Doncic was way better they could I mean I don't know if they're gonna take Trey Young number one overall you know I think you know Ayton to me was maybe like fourth or fifth on my board and they drafted number one now that's a vanity for my own scouting but you know i didn't see much from Aiton in summer league to make me think that you know he's a future superstar he has all these defensive limitations i think he can be productive in a points and rebounds sense but you know i just he just doesn't seem to have the aura of a future superstar to me um and the other thing too is you know the Ariza signing like there's just no point to it right like, like i mean wouldn't you have been better off just holding on to that cat space trying to get someone who could be a part of your long-term future you're just hurt your 2019 draft pick i mean this is yet more yo-yoing back and forth from this sun's team it just all right we're gonna try and compete this is no no we're gonna take no we're gonna try and compete again you know the, i guess this is the, the the odd year so they're trying or the even year so they're trying to compete again well it's even within an offseason because the juxtaposition of using that money on a one-year contract and then losing a lot of their 2019 flexibility because of the devin booker max oh, extension yeah. which they knew they were going to do you could have gotten somebody pretty awesome if you're willing to if they were one of the only teams that could have gotten gone 15 to 18 million for multiple seasons they could have gotten so much more with that space than one year of trevor reza and then theoretically non-bird rights on him after that and they're not going to get him at a discount i wouldn't assume maybe if they're if the season's turning south they could find a team that would trade for reza at the deadline and get a little something for him but there's a chance that they just end up buying him out yeah i, I think that's quite possible and then you know certainly the value going up from 16 to 10 and then also giving up that 2021 first for miami which could be a very very juicy first rounder uh, uh and could have been a very nice trade piece uh, as well uh, i didn't really care for that now i actually did really like the way that bridges shot the ball in summer league so i mean that's one of those ones where all right if if Mikael bridges turns out to be a really good player and turns out to be a starter and uh i've made the comment on twitter that it's going to be awkward when bridges starts taking josh jackson's minutes this year but so we'll see i mean if it turns out bridges can play then they made the right call to go get him so i i can't kill that yet but generally those types of trades that have not been as successful in NBA history but really and Kakashkov I'm glad you mentioned him I do like him as well and, and he's someone who maybe can make all of these guys who have looked so bad look a lot better uh, that's possible but uh, the biggest thing to me why I, I, I thought they just didn't draft anywhere close to the best guy with the number one pick and while I might be wrong about that I'm going to go with my evaluation and that's why I'm giving him a D let's move on to Portland a, a pretty quiet I would say offseason for them they drafted Anthony Simons and then traded two seconds to get Gary Trent Jr. for a clarification those were the either my Minnesota's or the Lakers second in 2019 and Miami's 2021 I actually asked of uh, the reason I mentioned this is because I was trying to figure out what they gave up and found it out then they also signed seth curry for one year i think it was about 2.75 million stauskas for the minimum re-signed yusuf nurkic on that four-year deal with a partial guarantee on the on the fourth season picked up jake layman's option kept wade baldwin and then lost ed davis shabazz napier pat Connaughton, and the magnificent papianis yeah you, you mentioned Lehman. he actually had a non-guarantee which they they guaranteed but yes it, it was that i thought was curious Lehman did have a nice summer league but generally summer league performances for guys who have already played or been in in Lehman's case the nba for two years are not especially predictive losing napier and Connaughton with the piddling deals that they signed elsewhere didn't make 
make a ton of sense pulling their qualifying offers to me did not make a, a ton of sense however uh, and then curry is an injury risk you know he'll presumably play some backup shooting guard some backup point guard they seem to be a believer in wade baldwin that he can step in and give them some minutes and we poo-pooed that with napier last year and they were correct about that so maybe that evaluation is is right but considering how little napier signed for elsewhere it would have been nice for them to be able to retain him and then yusuf nurkic i thought that was a very good job of negotiating to get him four years 48 million only 40 million of that guaranteed not overpaying i think that's a, a contract that makes sense for a guy who's probably a 25 to 30 minute a game center doesn't have that much versatility but can help them I, I understand moving on from ed davis not that worried about that they got zach collins they believe in him he's got to get some minutes this year uh, i think G- gary trent jr is one of the better looking guys uh, his shot looked pretty good in summer league to get him in the late 30s was solid nick sauskas fully guaranteed one-year deal i just don't get like why you wouldn't just bring back napier or Connaughton, who are, are both superior players to me and then simons uh i thought his shot looked awesome um very pure not quite the athlete his reputation would have indicated but I, I thought he played hard considering the fact that he's you know has not really played high level basketball in his career so i ended up giving them a, a b minus with all of that and if they hadn't had kind of these head scratchers with napier and Connaughton, i might have been willing to go even higher but with the knowledge that you know this is all relative they didn't have a ton of space to work with here and then getting nurkic uh, on less than i thought he would end up agreeing to was good work there too i gave them a c minus for a very basic reason you know what you didn't see at all in those players they added simon seth curry gary trent nick stauskas any forwards the biggest hole on the portland trailblazers part of the reason that even though they got the three seed they had a successful regular season they got swept that happens was they just need forward depth they had means to do it i'm supportive of the guy they took in the draft I, again this is kind of like josh koji where i generally like it but i didn't really put much weight into it because I, I don't know yet i don't i don't have that strong feel but seth curry nick stauskas not throwing anything at those spots they're now really shallow there i mean even if caleb swanigan steps up and he can be a rotation player I, I would be making a kazoo sound if I had a kazoo. Like, they, they just, it's so strange to have a team with their biggest need just not being addressed. And they re- they largely replaced the guys they lost, but they didn't re- they didn't replace the, the spots that needed to be replaced in the first place. And that is really frustrating for me. And I like the Nurkic contract. I don't like it as much as you. I, I do think, I am supportive of it. And it, it just kind of puts them in a weird place. Like, I like Nurkic and I like him at that deal, but I don't, I'm not over the moon about it. So for me, that's... That overall, you know, not solving one of your biggest weaknesses, kind of floating around a little bit. To me, that's just slightly below average. It's not a bad grade. It's a, it's an average grade. That, that's what this was. Yeah, I'm not sure who was available. I mean, they didn't spend their mid-level exception. And I think you can criticize them for that. You know, that that's, uh, I think it's a reasonable criticism to not go after, you know, an Mba Mute type or something. But I mean, there's only so many of those guys and everyone can, can sign those guys, uh, as we keep saying. But, uh, and then at least Connaughton could like pretend to play the three on bench unit because he's athletic maybe not 44 inch vertical athletic but pretty athletic uh whereas stauskas is just a total spaghetti noodle on defense and so i understand your concerns but i think they had pretty limited resources and they signed some decent contracts and and uh i think simon's where he was picked uh, could end up being pretty decent uh let's go to the kings do we have to? So I actually, so I'll actually, I'll run through the moves first. So they drafted Marvin Bagley second overall. They signed Bielitsa and Yogi Ferrell. They acquired Deontay Davis and Ben McElmore for Garrett Temple. They also picked up that Memphis second in the deal. Then they picked up 
two seconds to get rid of the pick that became Gary Trent, which is another, I did the picks I just mentioned in that with, with there. And so th- those are certainly benefits they got. I don't think either of those picks is particularly awesome, but it's there. So I actually gave the Kings two grades. The first part is an incomplete because they are the only team that still has cap space. So I don't want to foreclose on the possibility that they do something with it. But if they don't, or if what they do is kind of in line with the rest of their offseason, I'm going to give them an F plus. I went with an F Despite the fact that I thought Bielitsa and Yogi Ferrell were, were pretty good, you know, Ferrell might actually be the best point guard on the team this year. We'll see how Fox develops. Certainly not the best long-term point guard, but, you know, Fox was uh, really struggled offensively last year. Getting him, especially that non-guarantee on the second year, you know, I think he can be a solid backup point guard option who can start in a pinch. Bielitsa gives them a stretch four option, although they have so many bigs, they may not play him there. But even at the three, you know, he's really better than anyone that they had. Uh, frankly, as I mentioned, I didn't really care for the Macklemore Temple trade but you know Temple wasn't doing them any good this year they had a million twos already on the roster so at least you know they kind of got something for space that wasn't doing anything and they didn't have to impact their cap space either but so there's some things that I thought were okay just the two things I mean I, I really hate the Bagley pick just not a fit in the modern NBA to be a valuable player he's really gonna have to just hit nearly his ceiling as an offensive player although I will say at least while he had a rough summer league offensively I thought he was a looked a little bit better than expected defensively uh and then the other problem with taking Bagley was they had all this space that Zach Levine offer sheet was just absolutely insane they're so lucky that got matched especially given the fact that they already have like some superior at least one superior option at shooting guard on their roster but by drafting Bagley the two other upside restricted free agents that they might have considered going after were Aaron Gordon and Jabari Parker and now it just didn't make sense to go after either of those guys because those guys are fours and so is Bagley so not only are you taking a guy that i had eighth on my board second but then you're also mitigating the potential usage of your cap space and in last year we saw them just not get anything out of their cap space they didn't take on any bad money you know here at least they got that second round pick for temple but they could have done that whether they were over the cap or not and this year now they got bielitsa who i think that's a fine contract could potentially be a movable contract but there don't really seem to be any other obvious places to go with them just taking on money uh, unless they can get to the deadline and just facilitate some trades and take on some bad money going into 2019-20, which, you know, it seems like they uh, have not really been interested in taking on bad money for any years, not to mention multiple years. So, uh, but it really goes back to the Bagley pick. I think everything else is really, you know, in terms of the long-term future of this franchise, which is all you should care about with the team that's this bad. Uh, you know, I think they screwed the pooch again by drafting him. I had him eighth as well. So yeah, eight to two and not playing a position of value. The best stuff that Bagley did defensively was when he was standing in the right place and somebody came to him. If he's a four, that doesn't happen a lot. You know, that usually the player who's standing under the basket is not a power forward. And he, he got also, I mean, he can get better. Bagley certainly has the potential to be a much more capable offensive player than most guys at his position but i mean the the concerns in terms of recognition and all that stuff at center he looked better but to me he didn't he didn't assuage my concerns there and with the cap space the other important part to note here is that with where the structure is the big pieces are already done denver and okc those teams you know they made they made their moves so there might be some kind of piecemeal stuff like washington theoretically if they want to get out of something but you're never going to get a really good asset 
asset that way. The piecemeal stuff, that's more to pick up these second, second round picks, probably not even a late first with the way they're being valued right now. And so being the last one left doesn't do them money favors unless they're willing to take on 2019-20 money. And if that's the case, then they could have done those deals probably a long time ago. And they could still do something involving like, let's say, Amon Shumpert, or they have a bunch of expiring money. So they could actually take on a worse contract either for this year or moving forward. I would support them doing that for the right deal of like, hey, I'd rather take on a bad $20 million contract than a bad $10 million contract. But it depends on who's available. It depends on who teams are trying to dump and what they're most importantly, what they're willing to offer. So yeah, I gave them an F plus because I, some of the marginal stuff, I'm more okay with the temp. I actually kind of like the Temple trade for them just because he wasn't really providing much value. And to me, Garrett Temple isn't worth a second round pick. So taking on some bad money doesn't really mean much to them. Also, it got them out of a guaranteed roster spot because they can just cut those guys. No must, no fuss if they need to. So yeah, they, they got to pay them, but it doesn't matter whether they're on the roster. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't. Yeah. It, yeah, they can they can do because Sacramento, that was actually one of my big concerns at one point in the offseason was they had 15 guaranteed contracts on guys that looked like they wanted to keep. And that's a big problem if you want to make a move taking on bad salary in season, because even if you intend to cut the guy that you're trading for, you still have to be at 14. Like that's just the way it works. You can't, you know, insta cut. You have to actually have the roster spot to make the transaction and then cut the guy. But it looks like they might be able to make that work. Even if they keep a 15th, like one of Deontay or Ben McElmore, they could just, if, if an opportunity comes around, if Washington says, hey, we'll give you X to take on Jason Smith, then they can just cut that guy, make the trade, and then cut that guy too. So they can, there are lots of things they can do to make that work. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the negatives here are, are significant. As you said, the Marvin Bagley part is the most important thing coming from this. And then with Gary Trent, we'll see what ends up happening with that pick. I didn't really factor that in too much, but getting two seconds that I think will be worse than the one that they gave up. Generally, that's not a great value proposition, especially if the Minnesota Lakers second. My expectation right now would be that both those teams make the playoffs. So that's going to be, you know, maybe in the late 40s. And generally the line has been 45. Maybe that's moving a little bit with two ways, but not a whole lot. So yeah, I, d I really don't love this offseason. Let's move to San Antonio now. Let's start with this question. What grade would you give them just for the Kawhi Leonard trade? For that trade, they didn't get any high ceiling assets. I mean, DeMar DeRozan is certainly a capable player and he'll he's properly paid and he you know was an all NBA guy last year I didn't have him quite at that level but he's there and then Yaka Pirtle's interesting so I, I probably would have gone maybe a little bit below C but not much maybe C minus or C flat for that because and they got that first from from Toronto we'll see if it actually conveys it's they get it if it's 21 to 30 and then it evaporates the kind of like presty thing so yeah I'd probably go like a C minus or something like that yeah I would be a lot lower on the Leonard trade just a again you mentioned the lack total lack of high upside assets and sure there's the idea that hey you know what they have a different priority and so if you look at what their priority was which was to stay relevant i always find that staying relevant usually doesn't end well for these teams that they did the best they could do but i think even if you're deciding that all right we're going to get to rosen back to not get og Ananobi, not get a, yeah that's a, a true yeah i'll pick, go i'll go get, d plus that's it that's yeah, a good point not get siakam not get off of any bad salary yourself uh, as well to have to include danny green in the trade to make the math work when he's you know, and a, pay a them valuable five million player. yeah and yeah and throw in a bunch of money too to to pay for the tax implications of leonard's trade bonus i mean that is just 
you know, even around the margins, even if you're going to build your trade around Leonard for DeRozan, I think they really should have done better. Uh, so, you know, I would give them like probably a D minus for that trade, maybe even an F plus for that trade. Because number one, I didn't really agree with what the goal of the trade was. And number two, I don't think they executed that goal very well either. And I think that part of this was just, they kind of gave up, you know, on Kawhi Leonard. You know, I mean, Kawhi said, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. But I think it really, in a lot of ways, was just more about like well what is our quality of life going to be like if we have to deal with all this bullshit remember these guys are not used to dealing with the type of drama that they had last year with Kawhi. they, they want to just be business-like and go about their work and everyone's a big happy family and nobody ever has any issues and so i think you know whether it was they didn't want to hold on to him for longer right i mean remember we talked about this thing like oh yeah was that toronto offer like not going to be there at a later time now they could have tried to really get involved in talks with philly or the lakers whether it was the lakers in philly or boston for that matter supposedly boston offered that 2019 king's pick potentially i mean now you always hear that shit about boston so who knows but uh you know if they could have gotten good assets from the lakers i mean i probably if i were them i don't think i would have done the deal with the lakers unless i could have gotten ingram and maybe that wasn't on the table whether whether that was the lakers mistake we'll end up finding out in the summer of 2019 uh you know or philly with markel fultz or or whatever it would have been but yeah, I mean, I think even if they were dealing with Toronto, I thought they could have done better, you know, by holding out a little bit longer, shutting down the talks, even threatening, even if they weren't willing to do it, to go into the season with Kawhi. And then, you know, I mean, and even they could have even considered Danny the idea of just offering him that designated player veteran extension anyway. Uh, you know, they were wary of doing that if he didn't want to be there, but okay, you get him to sign it and then you can trade him later if he is in fact healthy. But who knows, you know, I mean, maybe he would have threatened to sit out the season again or whatever, but I think that would have been unlikely with him going into a free agent season looking for a max contract and i think i would rather have just had one season of Kawhi, drama filled or not than this package what about the rest of things here i ended up giving them a d minus ultimately because i thought the leonard trade just uh, wasn't uh, where i would have gone but uh what about everything else they did i think overall it's a negative so lonnie walker is interesting you know they got him a little bit deeper in the draft than than some people expected i i was ambivalent about his summer league there were times when he looked good two for 14 for tavis bertons i don't love two for 12 for Marco Bellinelli I also don't love uh yeah Forbes deal I, I is would fine. say the Bellinelli one I really hate frankly yeah but he's a proven playoff shooter Nate and Dante Cunningham fine you know I I, I don't think you know for he, me he's more of a four than anything else and that's not a desperate need for San Antonio though he could fit in reasonably well with their system so I don't have a, a big beef there I am in some ways happy that they were willing to finally cut bait on that Tony Parker like yeah. that it ended up happening where they they did that because giving him a deal even with with the non-guarantee for the second year, like Charlotte gave him, that would have just made things a lot more complicated for them. As you said, giving Rudy Gay the money they did without basically any consequence because they paid him that money. They aren't in the luxury tax. They were still able to use their mid-level exception. I think that is, is a, yes, but, but they still were able to use it. I mean, yeah. that the Gay signing in and of itself, I think was a very good one for them. And so overall for me, I gave them a D and the weird, the weirdest part about this for me and why it's so dispiriting is because they're on this kind of two to three year glide path where they'll be they'll probably make the playoffs if they can stay healthy but it's not a guarantee they'll be fine i don't know when pop's gonna retire but it seems like it might be in that glide path but then there's hard for them to deviate from that unless dejounte murray lonnie walker and or Derek white take big jumps because the persistent talent level of this team is 
is just really far below a lot of these other standards and they have no real assurances. I mean, and the other guys are kind of going to age out of their relevance here once their contracts expire. So either they'll overpay them to stay or they're just going to have to replace them in whole cloth. And both of those things are really concerning. The one thing we didn't mention, they let Cal Anderson go on that four-year $37 million offer sheet. That was a decision that I agreed with, but ultimately with the Leonard trade. And then I think, you know, I would have given them a D minus or so for that trade, maybe an F plus and then I thought everything else they did was neutral. I think the the other stuff they did almost looks better now that Kawhi is gone because they're not actually like playing to try and beat the Warriors anymore. You know, Marco Bellinelli was a player who just has zero chance against the Warriors. And they also brought back Bryn Forbes. I don't know if we mentioned that or not, but that was that was a reasonable deal. You know, uh, at the minimum for the restricted free agent, I think he's he's got a place on a team at least. I believe he actually got more than the minimum. But oh, not much yeah, he more. might have gotten like close to his qualifying offer, but whatever. Yeah, it's under two million. He's a three year, point, yeah, three point one, and then two point nine for next year. Oh, really? That high? Okay, yeah. I don't know if mm-hmm. I do like that. Is he nine guaranteed the second year? Nope, fully guaranteed. Oof. Yeah, that's a pretty ugly overpay. Wow. I mean, you know, I think they do this because they want to like keep guys in the fold and like, oh, we develop these guys and it's good for the culture. But, hey, like, this could be it, you too, you know. But it, it's sort of the exact opposite of what they did with a guy like John Simmons, where it was like, oh, we can find the next Jonathan Simmons, but then you pay Bryn Forbes. Like, you can find another Bryn Forbes. He's yeah. not that important. But but John Simmons had a bad attitude, Danny. Uh, all right. So so anyway that's why i went with the t-minus i thought it was relatively neutral outside of that trade which i you know really kind of loathed uh let's get to the jazz here i gave them a b they basically retained everyone of consequence other than jonas jerebko whom they cut uh he had was due four million this year uh were he not cut by july 9th and then they added grayson allen who wasn't someone i cared for that much but i think to get favors on the deal that they did i thought that was the biggest thing that they did uh where he's got a guarantee date of july 6th and they can either get out of him next year or uh and they paid dearly this year to get him there uh that non-guarantee they paid more than he could have gotten anywhere else for just this one year but to maintain that flexibility not take a step back this year i think you know that deserves a p even if they did some other things which we'll get to that i didn't care for yeah i i think there are three big parts of utah's offseason one is the favors deal which i am a big supporter of you know that they got the guarantee date of of the sixth i think works out really well Exum's contract, I don't like that nearly as much. It's a, a lot of Dante Exum. They also didn't get any team protection on that. You know, so if he's injured or anything like that, it seems like it's just a straight three-year deal at $9.6 million per year. That's a lot of commitment for a guy who hasn't stayed healthy and hasn't really consistently popped even when he has been healthy. For a team with a lot of flexibility, This to me, the Exum signing looks more like what a team that was kind of capped out and they liked a guy, what they would do. Utah isn't necessarily in that situation. They have a lot more flexibility. And then the third thing, which is why I get gave them a C, which is substantially lower than you, is that they, to this point, have not used their non-taxpayer yeah. level exception. And there were so many players available. Utah is an extraordinarily deep team already, but there are so many guys that were available in that price range who could have been useful for them in the near term, been value contracts in the long term, or both. And it's bonkers to me that we might end up going through this and just leaving that asset on the table because would have made their team better. It's not like you Utah is so set that nobody could have made their rotation. I mean, they made a bunch of trades last year. They have a lot of guys 
that have serious injury risks. Who, who should they and have gone after with the uh, with that mid level? I think they could have made Bielitsa an offer that would have been well. I mean, worthwhile. I mean, remember, yes, he ended up getting a lot more from the Kings, but presumably there would have been an amount that could have maintained flexibility that he wouldn't have backed out of. You know, like that could have been a possibility. Yeah, I mean, well, supposedly he was looking for stability, and he has two years. But you know, I don't think well, he was him... looking for stability on his second try around. The first time around, he took. Uh, I mean, I think if they had given him, let's say, seven million for one year, that he would have taken that and not backed out. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the case, but perhaps because of those playing time issues you talked about you know he didn't necessarily yeah. want to be there i mean they've got they've got tabo cephalosha and they've got jay crowder as a stretch for already i right? i would have loved wayne ellington for them the idea of going after maybe they could have given i don't know exactly what the offer would have been but if they could have gone after avery bradley i mean just the possibility uh he probably probably could have given him they wouldn't have given him as much guaranteed money but it could have offered something very different of like hey you can be a part of a really good team we're going to make the playoffs all that kind of stuff yeah i don't, Basically, I don't think they had the ability to beat that Clippers offer. It it doesn't seem to me like they they didn't take any effort to go after this idea of putting in personnel to figure out what they have in Donovan Mitchell. So they have the Rubio option, which is certainly one path with him, and Rubio is going to expire after this year. Nothing wrong there. That was a good move they made last year. But the idea of him being a one and maybe switching around a little bit, getting some different personnel, just even a shot in the dark at a bunch of different guys could have been worth it. They probably shouldn't have split it among multiple players. Just because they have so many capable guys. And I mean, even they have guys like Bruce O'Neill. Like it would have been unfortunate if he would have been marginalized in the rotation by somebody new. But I mean, there's there are just so many guys that took one-year contracts that even if it's a depth piece or something else, and I don't see Utah, you know, dipping deep into this for a buyout guy. It would be a, a really interesting move if they end up pulling it off. I would think about this and I would upgrade it, but I don't expect that at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm going through the list right now, and I'm not sure who they could have gotten without compromising 20. 2019 flexibility outside of Bielitsa, who I think would have provided like a more traditional stretch for element, but who knows how much he would have played over Cephalosha and Crowder. And then, I mean, they're still going to start Derek Favors at the four. So I'm not really sure who it was that would have cracked their rotation. And you don't think Ellington would have? He provides a different element. I think Ellington would have been nasty there. Uh, you know, I, I think that's right. But, you know, they have, they've got, they've already got Exum. And I mean, I think, you know, Ellington, I would rather just go to Miami where I have a defined role and it's Miami and there's no state tax uh, as opposed to you. Utah where you know I'm fighting for backup shooting guard minutes with Dante Exum uh, already who they really want to develop and Donovan Mitchell is going to play 35 36 minutes a game so I I I I disagree with you that it's as realistic for them to have really found someone who I mean because you could say yeah you know it's great to get more guys it was a disappointment to me I I I downgraded them a little bit but not quite as much as you that's why I want to be because I'm just not sure what else is there that was a part of it but for me I think the Exum signing was also a, a pretty significant negative for me just because they paid him like he had proven it more than he has and i was thinking more in the like seven to eight million dollar range if you're going three years or, or some sort of team protection and they didn't really get either of those they also gave a guaranteed contract to george yang for some reason i don't know what that reason is uh i mean he was in their system maybe this is another kind of just make good establish the culture type of contract and he's at least someone who's not going to expect to play but you know that seems like kind of a waste of money to, they could have just had him on a non-guaranteed deal um but yeah b i went with there so i mean the spurs i gave a d minus the kings i gave an f and then i didn't give anyone an a uh, i mean the lakers maybe could have gotten there if they had done things a little bit differently the, my highest grade was a b plus and, and i think that makes sense when the landscape 
shape of this conference i mean the only two teams that really changed their fortunes a ton this year i would say were the lakers obviously they got lebron and then the spurs giving up uh Kawhi leonard in that trade so other than that you know a lot of these teams are looking to be in pretty similar straights with you know a few moves here and there uh, as they were last year on top of that a lot of the teams that did big things right didn't do a lot of the smaller things like and, and you know like dallas i think could have gotten into the a range if they had been a little bit different not that they were particularly bad at anything but just i mean and also they gave up significant stuff to get luka Doncic. like it wasn't just oh man he's awesome you know the, the kind of the free money type thing they really did have to sacrifice something there but yeah I, I and i'm sure some people will give the warriors a much higher grade they can do that that's their prerogative but yeah but we're we're yeah. warriors homers remember day of course I, I, absolutely because where where you where you live and and the team that you cover most actively that means you actively root for that team and are biased towards their their team of well that, the, that's the way the, it always works the irony of it is too is like pretty much everyone is like has this air of inevitability of the Warriors I think you know we and probably some of the people you know Slater has been about this too like we're probably more likely to point out their flaws than some of the national people who are just like oh the Warriors are just gonna win it's like oh well you know they were down 3-2 against the Rockets remember that but anyway uh enough on that meta stuff I think we can wrap up here thanks so much uh for listening oh, oh can I plug something quick yeah we'll start with our Patreon mailbag I think yeah we can start with that that was a lot of fun the Patreon mailbag went in a, a lot of different directions got asked some stuff actually about the process of regrading which i thought was fun and then you answered a good question at the end of it about which finals games would be worth watching for somebody who's just getting into basketball went through i think all the last 10 finals that was really fun we also put out the stitcher premium podcast which was a really cool concept of when the next time that every team is when the next time they're going to we expect them to make the playoffs so for some teams that was very easy for some teams that was very hard and then for real jam radio i did the I do a what I call a division capsule podcast. That's off-season review plus regular season preview. And I started with the Atlantic Division and with Tim Bontemps and Jared Weiss. That was a lot of fun talking about a lot of the kind of it helped me get in the right mind frame for thinking about the off-season and everything like that. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back uh early next week. Talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.